live from New York. Did you not get the memo? This is WRADO. Okay, everybody, welcome back. Episode 2, still unnamed podcast. It is Wednesday, April 11th. Only me today, no Mike Wright, no Joe Haran in studio, but on the phone, we've got my friend Dan Belair, Suffolk graduate, Stony Brook student currently. We are going to talk about the Mets. We're going to talk about the Yankees. We're going to talk about the NBA playoff picture and how that's going to shape up tonight all the possible scenarios on the last day of the season maybe a little little small segment about something else haven't really decided yet either way dan welcome to the podcast how you doing jack good 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 doing so swell considering how well the mets are playing nine and one to start the season best start in franchise, one of the best starts in franchise history, going for a six-game road sweep tonight against the Marlins. It'll be the first time they did that to start a season. On the other side of things, in the Bronx, Yankees not looking so hot to start no, the season. Not. Definitely seen better days. Five and six to start the season. Just got smoked last night, 14-1 to one against the Red Sox. So, obviously, the first question, 11 games into the season, where is the panic meter? Um, I'm not, I wouldn't panic yet because, you know, it's still freezing. It was 35 degrees first pitch last night at Fenway. Severino did not have the slider. Um, I can go on with excuses all day, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> excuses, some of them are fair excuses, like we're talking about the cold weather. Obviously, it's April 11th. It shouldn't be 35 degrees still. It should be baseball weather. That's not baseball weather. Nothing you could do about it, really. Like, can't postpone the game or anything unless it's rain or snow. But like you said, in the, in the cold weather, obviously, it's a big problem for pitchers. They can't get perfect grips on the pitches other than a fastball, whether that's slider, splitter, even change-ups and stuff. If you throw a circle yeah. change, it makes it a lot harder. So that's why I think a lot of people are struggling early on, even for hitters, too. Some of these hitters, I mean, when you start spring training and you play a whole month, and a half or so down in the warm weather, whether it's Florida or out in Arizona, obviously you're going to have, there's going to be problems when you come back and it's cold. I mean, again, that's not something they're always used to. Usually exactly. the season starts with nicer weather and it didn't. So, I mean, I think the overreactions on any kind, any player, any team right now are a moot point. It, it's, no it's doubt. yeah, it's not, it's not something to worry yeah. about for right now. You got to look at the lineup the Yankees are putting out there, too. Yeah, of look course. The injuries they face within the first two weeks of the season. Yeah. yeah, all these guys they got. I mean, Greg Bird did not start the season healthy. Frazier doesn't start the season healthy. Aaron them? Hicks. McKinney gets hurt when he comes in for Hicks. Now, Drury's. Now oh, I mean, Ellsbury is. I mean, we won't even talk about him. Ellsbury is the biggest disappointment I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, it's literally, that's literally been a thing since he signed the contract now. I mean, whatever. He hasn't done anything for you guys. You guys aren't even expecting him to do anything for you, so whatever. He's he's irrelevant. CC. And, you know, we bring up 
Shane Robinson on Triple A to face Chris Bell. Honestly, what do you expect him to do? Yeah, it's true. I mean, that bottom of the order where you have, like, who is it, Tyler Austin, Shane Robinson, and Miguel Andujar, they yeah. absolutely overmatched against Chris Sale. I mean, what, like, oh, no like I said, I didn't, I didn't really watch the game yesterday. I was watching the Mets, but I saw, like, bits and pieces of it, and I remember seeing an Andujar bat. I mean, I've seen a couple – I've seen a bunch of his at-bats this season. He looks like he should be in double-A. He's trying with your hard. You know, he came up last year against the White Sox, and he had, like, a legendary debut. But I don't know. I think he's trying to prove himself too much. I don't know what it is for him. He actually literally looks so overmatched. Even, like, I understand it's Chris Sale, but even against other pitchers, like, no knock against yeah. Gossman. Like, he's he's good, but, like, he he's not Chris, Chris Sale. He shouldn't. Like yeah. Yeah, I mean, the whole Yankees team didn't really do much against him. But, like, Andujar specifically, like, he does – I mean, he just not, does not look good at all. When Andujar swings, everything is flying to left field, including his head. And he just looks like he's trying to hit a 700-foot home run every single time. Yeah, obviously that comes with the territory of being a young guy and being called up and, like you said, trying to prove something, probably pri- trying too hard to prove something. And the only thing he's proving is that he doesn't belong in the majors at this point. But I guess for the Yankees, like, what can you do with him? Because we have no Yeah, it's like, I mean, the only other person I could think of putting there is Neil Walker or maybe like Tyler Wade. If he if if he could play over there, I mean, he plays the middle infield, right? He plays that or does Tyler Austin play second? No, Tyler Austin's the first baseman. Tyler Austin's the first baseman. And yeah, like. So you'd be able to – but Walker's at second, right? Walker's been playing some first base because he's a good lefty bat to have. And um, he's been playing a lot of second, too, because Tyler Wade's been unavailable. Oh, okay. So, but, yeah, that's the thing I'm saying. Like, Neil Walker could be the plug for Andujar there, but, like, you can't because he has to be at first because the injuries. Like, no bird. Yeah. And now McKinney – was playing first in spring training. They had him in the outfield because Hicks and the rest of the injuries, and then he hurts himself running into the wall. So he's out. Yeah, that that looked painful. I mean, him and Clint Frazier now, like the same things with those running into the wall concussion injuries now. So hopefully those guys get better. Again, usually that's not something that keeps up for an entire season injuries. Obviously the Mets suffered – that injury bug a lot last season the one main yeah, was- stat that they keep talking about when you watch the games is like the starting pitchers spent more time on the dl than they threw innings or played games last year so i mean obviously you know, go ahead go ahead that's why i feel like i know i know a lot of best fans and obviously the yankees miss rivalry they're just Hayden on the Yanks and saying the Mets are the real team in New York. But people don't realize how long the season is. You never know when somebody's going to go down. Yeah, obviously. I mean, it's 162 games. There's no reason to overreact. You assume. I guess nothing is nothing is given. You can't assume that that's going to be the case for the entire 162-game schedule. Obviously, if it were, the Mets right. would be on pace to be like 100 – 50 and 
12. So that's not going to keep up. You would hope that these guys get healthy and then everything falls back into place for the Yankees. And still, even like, even with the lineup they have now, if Judge, Sanchez, Didi, and Stanton, they all like have it going one night, you guys are going to win either way. Like, your pitching's good enough, you would think, even like one through five. Like, even if Jordan Montgomery's on the mound against the Red Sox, if Judge, Sanchez, Didi, and Stanton all go off on one night, you guys are going to win that game. Exactly. Like you have to, you have to try to lose. You have to try to blow it as a pitcher. Yeah. And in my in my opinion, Sanchez is the best hitter on that team, no doubt. And when he's swamping, the whole team is going to swamp. It's all contagious. And it's just tough to get something going when you're when you're four hitters. Well, Didi's four hitter, but when he's the, when the five hitter is not going. And Gary thinks you're not going to. I actually disagree. I agree that Gary is slumping, like early season MVP candidate. But I don't think, again, it's it's baseball. Like we said, 162 game schedule, and there's nine people on the field at once. Nine people that you're relying on. One person slumping doesn't make everybody else slump. Again, I think it's just early in the season. There's kinks being worked out and stuff like that i mean you look at the mets i'm not even trying to boast here but not like nine and one cespedes really hasn't done that much for the mets especially lately he's like two for his last 20 with like 12 or 13 strikeouts but he gets that like one big hit that one that one big hit that's like putting the mets over the edge for them in like a couple of these games but i mean he's really not doing much offensively it's just the other guys stepping up like in that, like, I mean, it's like a lot. Cabrera. Yeah, Cabrera last night hits two home runs, one from each side of the plate. You go back to the series against the Nationals. The Mets are like in that Sunday night game where they won to get the sweep. It was that was like an incredible hard fought game by them. They could not get like anything going offensively, and it was Tanner Roark had like ten strikeouts through five innings. It was like everybody was striking out. No one was putting the ball in play, and then yeah. Like Harper goes deep to put them on top, and it's like, oh man, it's, it's like, home run. yeah, it's like, oh, all right, here we go. Like this game already feels like a wash. Like we'll just take two out of three, and that's fine. But then in that one inning, the Mets hitters, it was like, I think it was Ostrubel. I can't remember the specific order of who it was, but it was three straight players were down 0-2 or 1-2, battled back to a 3-2 count, walked. And then Adrian Gonzalez comes up and the first pitch he sees Grand Slam in right field. Your boy Ernie. And I was like <laughs> My boy Ernie. I was like, damn. That's crazy. Yeah. Like Todd Fra Todd is doing that a lot this year. He's so disciplined at the plate. And like that was something again, the Yankee fans some Yankee fans were like, Oh yeah, whatever. You guys could have him like two years seventeen million. You're overpaying for him. He's old. He doesn't Oh dude, I totally He's got no pop. But like the other Yankee fans who are like somewhat educated like yourself, I remember you guys were telling me it's like he's a great player. Like he's got pop. He does his thing defensively, and he's like really, really good at the plate, like discipline-wise. And OBP is his thing, and he's doing it early on for the Mets. It's awesome to watch. And he does it when it matters. Too. Say it again. He he does it when it matters too. Oh yeah. If you guys make the playoffs, he's gonna be one of the best players. 
Yeah, he's got a 386 OBP right now. The only people that have a higher one that I'm looking at, I mean, the only players that count, like Juan Lagares and Nimmo have a higher one. and Yeah. Those guys, but, I mean, the only one that actually does is Ostrubel, and Ostrubel is playing out of his mind right now, too. He's batting <laughs> 341. Yeah, I was watching yesterday when he hit that bomb. Yeah, when he hits it, it's it's awesome to watch when he hits it because he just, like, you know when players pimp it and, like, some players yeah. go crazy, like, do crazy bat flips. He kind of just, like, takes the bat, just, like, drops it, looks at the dugout, and everyone <laughs> knows, just like, God damn, he just blasted that. Gives a little peek. That's when you know. Yeah, those are the, be- those are the best ones to watch. Like, when you see uh, – even, like, like, Judge does that all the time. When Judge hit that, like – 500 foot home run he just like acted like it was a three like 320 over the right field fence but it was like (laughs) 550 to left center and like the farthest home run you've ever seen in your life and he just like looks at the dugout like gives the bat to the bat boy and just rounds the bases a rod used to do the same thing yeah i know but he used to be cocky about it so we're not we're we're not even gonna compare like (laughs) we can act like a rod did that same thing but he didn't he would like look at the pitcher and like show him up oh he used to do that back in like Maybe yeah, back when he was a scumbag. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, right, right, right. did you hear the? We talked. We kind of talked about it in the in the group chat we have. A Rod yeah. on Sunday Night Baseball talking about how he would have wanted to if he could go back and change everything because they were talking about Bryce Harper's free agency and they were Matt Vasquez was like, "What advice would you give him?" He's like, "You know, I would just tell him just." care about yourself and like do what's best for you blah blah and he was pretty much like insinuating and then Matt Vasgersian got out of him he's like why don't you sign with the Mets or why don't you re-sign with Seattle and A-Rod bounced around the question trying to explain that it wasn't about money for him and meanwhile it was literally only about money 100% about and it was even it was even like worse than that it wasn't even all about the money like the stuff that came out and it's never been verified but it's never been like it's only been denied by Boris and A-Rod, was that they were asking, like, the Mets, they were asking Steve Phillips, the GM at the time, and they asked him, they were like, yeah, we want our own separate tent for A-Rod merchandise at spring training. He pretty much wanted to isolate himself from the team. It was going to be, like, 24 24 Mets and A-Rod. It's like, no, bro. I'm pretty sure he he had a problem with doing that, like isolating himself from his teammates and kind of being full of himself. I don't so, know. I could definitely see that being true. Yeah, I mean, it. it's like partly Scott Boris too. Like, <coughs> I don't know why he feels the need, especially now. Now I feel like, excuse me, I feel like he got like really eviscerated in, in free agency now, like, no one was signing contracts and like when he was asking for these ridiculous contracts for like JD Martinez and yeah Hosmer and Arietta, whoever the other guys are that he has as clients, everyone was like, No, dude, screw you. Like we're not we we we're not paying these guys this money. Like you're you're crazy. You're crazy. Teams See, are actually teams are actually realizing they need to pay these guys and some contracts. Yeah, like look at Ellsbury. Look at Ellsbury. Like look what happened. Come on, we those guys. I mean, just look at any any big contract like that where it just doesn't pan out. It's like, are you kidding? That sets back. It literally sets back the franchise. It could set back the franchise a year. It could set back the franchise like five years. It just depends on how long the contract is. It's it's ridiculous. It's still killing us now. Yeah, I know. I mean, 
that's whatever. But the A Rod thing still, it's like it's annoying. Then like people will be like, "Oh, the Mets screwed that up, blah blah." And really, it's like honestly, he screwed it up for the Mets, and he screwed it up for like everyone else because it would have been he screwed it up for everyone else in New York because even still, the Yankees like he goes to Seattle, and then eventually mm-hmm. goes to the Yankees. But like. He wanted to stick it up Jeter's ass at the time, and like he should have just, he would have played shortstop there for the Mets. He would have been opposite Jeter. The rivalry for the Mets and the Yankees would have been absolutely nuts. Like it would have been so amazing for New York baseball. It literally would have been the talk of yeah. it, everybody would have talked about it for the entire season. It's like comparable to how this. It, it's somewhat comparable in my eyes to how this. NFL draft is going to be we're not going to get into the draft but I'm saying how if the Jets and Giants both draft a quarterback how those two are going to be compared for literally the rest of time like A-Rod as a Met and Jeter as a Yankee would have been compared for the rest of time yeah that whole rivalry between Jeter and A-Rod say it again you're breaking up I said the uh, Jeter was just a a lot of the media yeah, I mean, of course, the New York media stirs everything up, and that's how it goes. And, like, that's annoying, too, because it takes away from it. Obviously, they think it's building it up, but, like, for the players, from the players' perspective and all that, all it does is stir it up for the fans and stuff, and they try and make it, like, a reality drama TV yeah. show, even though it's, like, that's what it's not supposed to be. It's just supposed to be, like, good competitive fun or whatever. All right, so on the Mets side of things now, switching over, they're doing incredibly well again. Just can't can't stress how how well they are doing. Realistically, I know you love to hear that, and the rest of the Yankee fans love to hear that. But oh yeah, they get hit with the injury bug for the first time this season. They just recently send down Nimmo, AAA, bring up Corey Oswalt, 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 Corey Oswalt, not related to Roy Oswalt. Um, <laughs> because their pitching is, like, depleted from using the bullpen so much in that Washington series. And then now today, Darno goes on the DL, 10-day DL. He has a partially torn UCL. Not that, good. Yeah, that elbow ligament. And then I saw an interesting tweet, which, again, I was trying to find. I can't find it now. But there was this guy talking about how – some doctor guy talking about how the UCL – all you need, honestly, is a partial tear for it to be, like, pretty much as good as, like, completely torn. So, like, people that are like, oh, it's all right. Like, at least it's only a partial tear. It's not a complete tear. Like, no. Apparently, if you only tear it, like, if it's partially torn, like, 25 to 33%, it still messes you up so much that, like, yeah, you're going to be out for so long. I wish I could find the tweet. I, that's I, why I people are so scared when Nakatori's yeah. only 5%. That's what I was going to say. I remember when he when he tore it and that messed him up so much and that honestly did kind of a it definitely caused a rift in his like career path because he had that splitter was so nasty and like when he first came up everyone was like this dude is nuts like that splitter is unhittable and and it was unhittable like people could not touch it yeah 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 people couldn't it's like it's like otani right now like otani's throwing 99 and he busts that splitter, and it's like nobody could touch it. And now once that happened, he couldn't really be as effective with the splitter anymore. So, I mean, for Darno, 
I mean, he's not a pitcher. I guess it's going to hurt with, like, he's going to have to do some sort of recovery when it comes to, like, throwing, obviously. He, he already can't throw people out, so I don't know. Like, this is, is this going to, like, end his career? Like, uh, it he, very well could. <laughs> I don't think it's <laughs> literally going to end his career, but, like, he literally cannot throw a runner out, save his life. I don't think he's thrown someone out since, like, last September. And the Mets in general haven't thrown, like, a runner out since last September. They're already, like... The, they technically have one caught stealing this season, and it was Jerry, my guy, Jerry Blevins, picked off Rendon at first. That was literally it. They have not thrown out a base runner yet. If the Mets had a sick catcher who could throw the ball 8,000 miles an hour like Gary Sanchez, that would be awesome. But do you think – I mean, Darnold was already a blow average hitter. You could admit that. Oh, yeah. He's not a good And hitter. if he can't throw people out, he's pretty much a useless player. Yeah, I know. You can't even, like, what is he going to do, like, DH? But, like, there's so many yeah. more viable DHs in the league. I don't know. I I guess it's hard to tell. you got to see how, like, the recovery and stuff goes for that. Um, he's a below-average hitter, but, like, he has the potential to be better, and he was doing better this season. So now it, like, especially sucks that he just got hurt. And we now have to use Ploiecki, who – has been trying to be a thing since 2015, and he's just buns, like, straight up. He also can't throw somebody out, and he is actually a below-average hitter. Like, he doesn't have the potential to be better than that. When I say cheat, I think of Kevin. When you say what? When I say cheat, I think of Kevin Floyd. Yeah, I know. That's probably – I'm honestly, outside of New York, people probably don't even, like, know who Kevin Ploiecki is. <laughs> you could probably, like, show a picture to him of – show a picture of him to someone in, like, Oklahoma, and they would just think he's a country music singer, I would think. Yeah. That's pretty much that's pretty much plucky there. But So now, like, the thing is, too, immediately, this just happened today, Darno going on the DL, immediately people are already saying how Mets are going to go out and get a catcher at some point. Yeah, at some point, obviously. I but think that's... What is the likelihood of doing that right now? No, 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 no. Not right now. No way. They're gonna let. They're gonna run with Ploiecki as long as they can until it literally becomes like so much of a problem. Obviously, if you keep winning, by the if they're still winning by the trade deadline and they're still in it, which I'm expecting them to be, they're gonna make a move, and then the people you think are like Lucroy, who just continues to get moved around and is not having success anywhere. He's in Oakland now. No. Wilson Ramos. Uh, with the Rays because they suck. They're going to sell. He's on an expiring deal. And then sticking in the AL East, maybe Russell Martin, if Toronto ends up out of it or if they need something from us. I mean, we already fleeced them once for Syndergaard. But, yeah, uh, that, was, that was stupid trade. Yeah, that was on Twitter before kind of I was taking a backseat to the conversation between my friend Martino and my friend Mike Phillips, they were talking a lot about it, uh, just saying how that would be the plan of action for the Mets going out and getting a catcher, Lucroy, Wilson Ramos, or Russell Martin. Uh, Real Muto is probably not an option because we just no. – I mean, they're not – I mean, they literally parted ways with everybody. I doubt they'll give up now Real Muto. But um, – They want some people to come to that game. Yeah, I mean, they actually aren't – as bad as apparently my roommate was telling me the other night that maybe it was last night that there was like 700 people at a White Sox game or something like that. I mean, personally, if I was a White Sox fan and it was about 
30 degrees and windy in Chicago, I probably am not going to go see a White Sox game. And obviously that's how the majority of their Chicago fan base felt considering there were 700 people at the game or 900, whatever it was. I don't know how true it is. I just heard it. But, I mean, that's pretty nuts. Yeah, that is like. like that's really just not, like that's just that's just bad. That's horrible. How do you yeah. even like? It's like playing for a an empty stadium. There's literally no one there. It's probably like you probably hear like someone chewing gum on the mound. <laughs> they need a they need a big signing in the offense. They really do. They have one of the best farm systems in the league. Um, I think if they go out and get Manny Machado, everything can. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you could have Machado and Mancata in the infield. They got, like, yeah, Jose Abreu at first. They got people, like, like you're talking about, these young guys. Like, I think this guy, Nicky Delmonico, I don't know why. I remember just seeing this, like, profile on him on MLB Network from last year, and people were, like, really high on him at some point. I think he's still kind of like settling in as a major leaguer, so yeah. he could be, he could be somewhat good at some point. Possibly they could have a couple pieces that they could surround Machado with. They wouldn't be horrible. They don't no, really they have actually. They don't have like any pitching. They have zero pitch. Like, I don't know if I could name one person on that pitching staff right now, starting pitching wise. I know they got Nate Jones in the bullpen. He's a beast. Why do I feel like Giolito there? Oh, yeah, Giolito. Giolito is there. He's young, yeah. and he's kind of good. Yeah, okay. He was the number one pitching prospect. Yeah, I don't know what happened to him because he uh, he kind of fell off because, like you said, he was the number one pitching prospect at some point, and then that kind of went down the tubes. I think he got traded for Adam Eaton. For who? For Adam Eaton. He did. Yeah, because the Nationals had him. But I'm saying there yeah. was a point where he was with the Nationals and – he was like MLB Pipeline's like top guy, and then he kind of like came up, and that was it. He just did not do anything. He's just like I actually remember consistently been falling. I remember seeing like articles, and other scouts were saying they really weren't that impressed. With That's and he interesting. Like fell off. Yeah, who knows what happened? Maybe he was like hurt and trying to pitch through being hurt, and that screwed him up. Yeah. Who knows? But again, I, I mean, at least again, like for some reason we're focusing on the White Sox right now, but they are young and they have these guys that were supposed to pan out and could possibly still pan out. So they could be a threat at some point. Who knows? Maybe they, they even like, <coughs> maybe they even go out at the trade deadline and get somebody. I doubt it. Cause they're probably going to like sell for prospects at that point. If they even have anything to sell. But. Yeah. Who knows? This is not – we're talking Mets Yankees. Now we got sidetracked talking about the White Sox. We could uh, wrap this up with the Mets and Yankees. Yankees continue their series in Fenway. Scary. It's uh, Tanaka and Price tonight. I have Tanaka in one league fantasy-wise and Price in another. And then they wrap it up tomorrow. Sonny Gray versus Rick Porcello. What do you got? You guys going to you know, take two out of three, or what do you think? Sweep? You know, tonight is actually one of those games where I just don't know what I'm going to get. Um, anytime you play in Fenway, 
it's like a huge game. I don't care if it's 10 games into the season or 50 games into the season. Every game you play against the Sox is important. Oh, yeah. that No, that's definitely true. And Anyone you play in the division. Oh, literally anyone. Yeah. But it's just like I'm, I'm praying that Carlos Sand finds something. And, you know, you have seen the ball well yesterday after he struck out. But. Yeah, that first strikeout, there was a picture on Twitter of him, like, swinging and missing. He was, like, it was apparently a straight fastball, and he was under it by about, like, a good two feet. He wasn't even close. Yeah, you know, I actually was talking to my brother yesterday, and I told him, I was like, you know what, it's cold. Breaking balls aren't going to be moving that much. I think they're just going to change Giancarlo's eye levels, pound him up with high fastballs. And... That's exactly what they did, and I just knew he wasn't going to hit him. Yeah, I mean, again, for the reigning NL MVP, literally the only thing he probably needs to get going is to just have someone hang him a fat meatball that he can send into oblivion. And who knows, like, maybe he just, it, like, changes right there. He snaps, turns it around, and then he starts not even just, like, mashing home runs, but he actually starts getting, like, base hits and people start – yeah, 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 that's what I'm saying. Like, all it takes is one thing for that. Like, all it takes is for him to mash one ball into oblivion. Say he comes up with, like, a runner on third next at bat. They just pitch around him, and then he draws a walk. Like, okay, you could pitch around him, but at a certain point, you still have to face someone in that Yankees lineup. And especially, again, as it gets deeper into the season, once these guys mesh and start, like, turning it around and it's warm and they're, like, again, sending balls into happening. orbit, they're – it's they're gonna you can't even pitch around like that lineup at a certain point once you get to the back to the top of the order. Exactly. Yeah, so I mean maybe David Price hangs him one tonight. Or maybe he just strikes out five times again, who knows? Mets though, Mets Mets wrap it up in Miami tonight, and then they come back home face the Brewers. No Lorenzo Cain, maybe? He got hurt. Yeah, uh, he collided. Day. He's day-to-day right now. I don't think they put him on the DL yet. Yeah. Uh, Lorenzo Cain, out. Possibly. Not on the DL. Might go to the DL. What? All right, we'll wrap it up. We'll wrap up baseball with this, and then we'll talk a little basketball for, like, 10 minutes. What do you think about the Cubs and, like, particularly Rizzo? Because he is gross. Yeah. And now he's on the DL. He is on the DL now. He hurt his back and they put him on the DL. That's a huge that's a huge blow of that lineup. Big time. Um, Rizzo is such an important piece of that lineup. Uh especially a team with a lot of young guys. Uh I I really I really don't know how they're gonna win. Yeah, I don't know. Again, too early to overreact. But not looking good early for the Cubs. I'm sure they're not panicking. Probably figured out. Not well with you. Yeah, I know. Too early. We'll wrap up baseball with that. Now, quick transition to the NBA. Not. It's the last day of the regular season. Going to hit you with some news and notes. Not news and notes. Notes about what we know heading into the final day of the regular season. I'm going to tell you a bullet point, and you give me a one-word response as to what you think. All right? Okay. So we know that all but one of the 16 playoff spots have been clinched. 
with the Minnesota-Denver game deciding the final berth in the postseason? Uh, Minnesota. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, second bullet point. Only five of the 16 seeds are set in stone. That's Houston, one in the West, Golden State, two in the West, and Toronto, one in the East, Boston, two in the East, and Pacers, five in the East. Watch out for Toronto. <laughs> all right, all right. Portland, Utah winner will finish number three in the Western Conference, but if the Jazz lose, they could fall as far as five, depending on the outcome of other games. I think Portland is going to surprise a lot of people. Mm, Damian Lillard. TJ McCollum is a stud. Yeah, he's good too. He's definitely good. Um, all right. The Spurs, the Thunder, and the Pelicans could be anywhere from fourth through eighth in the West at the end of the night. Minnesota actually could finish from fifth through eighth if they win. And the Nuggets, if they beat the Timberwolves, could be five, six, or seven. All right, so that's new to me. I actually thought that they were only going to be eight. So what do you think about that? Um, you know, I really have the way that the Thunder playing all year. I feel like it's been really good. Um, so I think they get bounced early in the playoffs. You think the Thunder get bounced early? Yeah. Okay. I mean, Melo is a it's probably, cancer. It's probably not a popular opinion, but... Sorry, man. Hot take, Colin Coward style. <laughs> Do not compare me to <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying hot takes <laughs> are his specialty, and he is a jackass. Okay. Philadelphia and Cleveland will be number three and number four in the East in some order. Um, when is Joel Embiid coming? Mm, I'm not sure. Because if he's healthy in the playoffs... I think he's unstoppable. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure he has a timetable, but I'm not entirely sure what it is at this moment in time based on the screen I'm looking at in front of me. All right, last one. Ready? Milwaukee, Miami, and Washington all could finish either 6th, 7th, or 8th in the East. You said Milwaukee, Miami, and who? Bucks, Wizards, Heat. Um like the Bucks. You got the Bucks 6. That would mean that if the Bucks the Bucks to finish 6 would have to win tonight. And that would mean the Sixers would lose cuz they play each other and the Sixers yeah. would be 4 and the Cavs would be 3. That would be really fun to watch. I think so. Giannis. And uh you know, I played that matchup in 2K multiple times. And <laughs> it's always a good game. Yeah. Shout out to Billy Rose. Yeah, that totally doesn't count because 2K is the <laughs> second most garbage game ever made behind MLB The Show 18. We will not get too deep into that, but... Do not buy it. Do not buy it. Don't buy it. Don't buy it. And don't buy it digitally because then you can't snap it in half or return it. I screwed up. Bought it digitally. Freaked out last night playing, just throwing stuff around my room. I might Whatever. just frisbee my PS4 out my window. I might triple backflip off the roof of my five-story building if I lose another game because I keep hitting pop-ups and ground balls. Um, I'm going to dog put my PS4 across my street. What is <laughs> what what what's the most dramatic thing you've done because of a video game? Oof. <laughs> 
All right, the most dramatic thing I've done. A little drawn out, but I'll explain. Please. Um, this was back in probably like ninth grade. Probably was playing Call of Duty. I took the time out, opened the screen of my window, opened my window, and just started firing objects out my window. <laughs> uh, deodorant sticks, uh, Febreze can. Um, any utensil that I had in front of me. And I think even a wiffle ball bat. That is probably the most dramatic thing I've done. I had a 2K league at school oh. with my roommates. And I lost because of Hassan Whiteside. And he was so garbage. I don't know why. Even though he's like seven feet tall and blocks everything. But he like missed an easy layup. And I ended up he, – he missed a layup. And I lost by one. Like, he would have made the layup, I would have won. And it was a three-game series. So, like, I would have went on to the next round. But I lost. And we had this, like – you remember the way our living room was set up? We had, like, the brick where the fireplace would have been, but there was no fireplace? Yeah. Yeah, straight up punched that. <laughs> Almost probably broke my hand and knuckles, but I didn't. But that was you good. You must have had to be really mad to do. I was pissed. You know how I get, uh, especially with, like, 2K or the show. It gets it gets, oh. it gets heated. The show brings out a monster in me that nobody should ever see. <laughs> Farino, here's a good one. Farino, you probably know. Shout out to Jimmy Farino and all of his anger. He <laughs> has lost definitely at he's definitely lost multiple controllers in the woods behind his house because I know for a fact he said he just will get pissed, open up the door of his sunroom and catapult full on chris sale a controller into the woods about 30 feet behind a story like that lay it on me i um it, this is last year i'm playing the show you know face is beat red i'm probably sweating because i'm so pissed um i walk out of my backyard with a controller crow hop throw the controller on my cement patio but i immediately i just left it there I immediately go in my house, grab my keys, go to the nearest GameStop, buy a controller, all angry and sweaty and, and red, and I just go home and I just continue playing the game like nothing else. That's the best way to do it. You just honestly need to release that anger any way possible. Usually I like to uh, go into my bedroom because my PS4 right now is set up in the living room. I'll just go into the bedroom and take two pillows Nearly suffocate myself because I'm screaming so hard into them. The most ridiculous things ever. Yeah, that's I, uh, uh, that, that was a good segment. Go ahead, keep going if you have to finish it. Sometimes I just got to change my clothes. Bloody. Just, just screaming and just firing things across the room. <laughs> I just need a change of clothes. I need a fresh start. Maybe take a shower, cool down a little bit. It's actually a, a every single time I play no matter how much deodorant I could put on, I will sweat through the shirt I'm playing in. It's definitely not a good thing. I might have a legitimate problem, but that's a thing for me too. <laughs> I sweat through the shirt easily, no matter what game I'm playing. Oh, no doubt. I'll just get a bead of sweat running right down my oblique. It'll hit my <laughs> hip. It'll hit my hip, and I just know that it's game over. Like From there, it's about to be – I might as well just jump into a pool. Exactly. Oh, I'm already sitting in a pool of my own sweat. So. <laughs> I'm actually sweating a little bit right now in the studio. It's not even hot. It's like 
It's like the most cool room temperature. And I am. Thinking about it, yeah, I'm going to be able to do that to you, man. I think my face is getting red just because of it. And I'm <laughs> should probably get out of the studio before something gets thrown. All right, so we're going to wrap it up. That is the show.